This is the Baymont Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we will hear the words of 2 John and toy with the question of who the woman is that John addresses his letter to. Yes. Hey, I got good news for our listeners. The next three books that we study, we're going to go verse by verse through them, Brent. We're not going to miss a single verse. That's quite the claim. Yep. Pretty short little letters there, so that's why I can make that claim. It'll be our last verse-by-verse study of our time together. We're going to get close with Revelation. We're going to be close. We're going to be pretty close verse-by-verse, but we won't quite pull that off with Revelation, nor are we going to attempt to. I won't be making any Matthew promises that, you know, make us committed. I remember doing that back in session three. But I will make those promises about 2nd, 3rd John and the letter of Jude. I'll tell you that much. Every verse. Here we go. John pins another letter. And this letter is sent to a curious character. How about you give us the first few verses here, Brett? Is this the only uh, letter directly written to a woman in the Bible? I'm trying to think of anything else. I mean, I, most of Paul's letters are written to, to church. churches. So that's, you know, obviously would include women, but. Uh-huh. Directly in that way. And we're going to talk about that here here in just a, just a second. But yeah, I, I, that's a great point. What a fun little. There's books about women characters, especially in the Old Testament, Ruth and Esther. Certainly. But yeah, no, that's good. Okay, good question. I like it. The elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. Any themes you're catching, picking up on there? Something about truth. A lot of truth. Maybe a little bit of love. A little bit of love. Typical John, typical John letter here. Truth and love, just like we said in our last episode. Truth and love and love and truth. Let's talk about this chosen lady. Quote, chosen lady. To the lady chosen by God and to her children. This leaves us, who is this chosen lady? We have a few different options here. Number one, John could be addressing this letter to an actual lady, an actual woman, and her children. This letter could very very easily be written to a particular woman in Asia, or Asia Minor, or anywhere for that matter. John could send his letter anywhere he wanted to. Um, and we are getting to see a very personal correspondence from John to her, if that's the case. It's entirely possible that any effort to come up with any other explanation is simply overthinking the situation. We need to stop just long enough to go... This could just be as simple as John wrote a letter to a woman and her children, and we have it, and it got put in the canon, and it's great, and that's awesome. That's a completely legitimate option. Of course, if there's anything we've learned about after four sessions of Bay Mob Brent, it's that there's an awful lot going on in this book, yes? Certainly. Yeah. Okay, so we could have some more things going on here. Option number two is John could be addressing a certain body of believers, a church, if you will, As a woman, this would be entirely commonplace, as a church is often pictured as a bride. It uses the, sometimes it will use the feminine to talk about who this church is. The outlying villages of a larger city are known as daughters. So there's a lot of reasons why it would talk to a group of people as... Like what we would call suburbs today? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you'd have like the major city of Chicago, and then all those outlying suburbs around it would be daughters. When Jesus says in the Gospels, you daughters of Jerusalem, he's not talking to the women of Jerusalem. I've heard that a million times. He's speaking of, hey, all you towns that lie kind of on the outskirts of Jerusalem. That's the reference there. Anything about a city and her daughters, that's... um, 
That's a reference to uh, to those villages. So to bolster this idea that, that John could be writing to a church, there's the fact that when she, the woman, is referenced in the rest of the letter, John uses the masculine Greek to address the recipients, which if he's really writing a letter just to a woman and her kids, he wouldn't use the masculine Greek as far as I understand it. He'd use the feminine Greek. This would not be expected if this were a personal correspondence. So it could be that John is literally writing a, a letter to a woman and her kids, or it could be option number two, that he's writing to a church and these daughters would be all those kind of those fellow believers that are under uh, that church's umbrella. It also could be, guess what, Brent? What else could it be? Could be option C, which would be? Both. Could be both. Absolutely. Could be both. This could be a letter written to a particular woman with allegorical, whether intentional or unintentional, allegorical overtones. But we have already witnessed John's incredible ability. Remember when we looked at John back in session three? Brent was uh, John, was he a little bit of a deep writer? We have multiple things. Could John multitask? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) He certainly could. So we know that John is capable of doing that. That's not going to shock us at all. Um, And it's another good possibility that the woman in question is also the leader of a house church, or maybe even a larger body of believers for that matter, in the area. In this regard, John would be writing to her, but intending the letter for a larger audience as well. And I don't know if personal correspondence uh, worked the same way, but like the letters, even even when uh, a letter is addressed to a specific church body, we know that it was circulated among other churches, even when it's not addressed directly to them. Absolutely. So it, like John would probably have the expectation of this being shared with other people other than the direct recipient. Right. Absolutely. If this is not just an absolute personal correspondence. This is intended to be shared for sure. Um, that's just a commonplace. So we have three options. It could just be a woman and her kids. It could be a church or it could be maybe both a woman and her church that she potentially maybe even leads and, and all of those people that are members, quote unquote, of the church. Brent, how about you go back up to the beginning? Let's start with uh, the elder and read us all the way through the next section. Let's rehear the opening verses there and read us through the next little bit. The elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another." And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So John rejoices because he has heard, as the pastor to Asia, about her faith and how she lives it out. He has heard that she walks in truth. And as we discovered in our last episode, this means she is walking in what, Brent? In love. In love. Without love... There would be no truth in her or in her family. She would actually be, we were told in First John, a liar. But she is a family of love, and therefore, she is walking in truth. Go ahead and give us the next little bit. I like this as we've had this uh, command from the beginning to love one another. This is love that we walk in obedience. Like if you're yes. being obedient, like you're being loving. Excellent point. Yes, absolutely. It reads. It all it, stems yes, from it love. It just reads right down the page of everything we've seen in first John. And the same repetition that we saw in first John, where it's like, this is love. His command is that you walk in love like over and over and over again. Yep. And a letter that started out with truth, 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 
truth, love and truth, love, 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 love and truth. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. All right. So he talks about these deceivers. Could these deceivers be the potential Gnostics that we talked about in the last episode of John's address in 1 John? We talked about the docetism. Could it be the docetists? That's kind of a fun thing to say. Docetists. The do- I wonder if there's a different reference. The dosis. The docets. The docetists. These Gnostic heretics, could it be those or could it be deceivers? Could the deceivers be those same Judeans that we've witnessed throughout the New Testament who followed Paul throughout Asia, especially Asia Minor, opposing his gospel? Could these deceivers be legalistic believers who are attempting to disengage the culture and hold up and kind of like hole up in their holy huddle over in the corner, kind of shunning Shephelah living? Could they be the Nicolaitans of Revelation? Any of these are great options, and I think fit the bill described in that paragraph. I think our first option is probably one of the better options, that they're the uh, the Gnostic people, kind of coming from a philosophy of docetism, probably our, well, probably our best option there, but it could be any of those. Uh, let's see here. Give me, a, give me a closing of the letter, Brent. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Well, John, that's how <laughs> writing works. <laughs> Too late. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. So finally, John's sign-off seems to suggest that the latter two options above may be at play here. Remember our latter two, that this is either a church or potentially both a woman and a church. The phrasing is awkward if we're talking about actual individuals. Um... But before we look ahead to Third John in our next episode, I, we, we told people we'd have a short episode today. It's a short letter. Short letter, short episode. Um, but I want to invite us just to spend some more time reflecting again here. Um, I always like to pause, consider here in Second John. If John were to write a letter about our family to the chosen lady of our, if we were the chosen lady, the chosen man, whatever, I don't care. If it was our church, if it was our fellowship, what if it was our our church fellowship that he was writing to as a chosen lady, uh, people that we would find ourselves children of? What would John say about our church? What would John say about our family? What would John say about us? Would John rejoice in hearing that we walk in the truth because of our commitment to love? Like to reflect on that, would John say, I'm glad to hear that you're walking in truth. And when he said that, would he be saying that because we're so committed to sound doctrine, we're so committed to sound teaching and to truth, or would John be saying that for the reasons that John says it, which is, I'm so glad to hear you're walking in truth because you're walking in love. This is my desire that we would love one another. 
Um, the same John who in his gospel, Jesus kept saying, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. Love, 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 love. If John were to look at our family, if he were to look at us, if he were to look at our church that we belong to, and, and we know the lens that John would look through, we know the measuring stick he would use, we know the ruler that he would be using to measure our success. If he were to look through the lens of love, and that were it. If that were just John looking through the lens of love, how how would our letter sound? Would it sound the same or would it sound like maybe some of the other letters in the New Testament? I always find that a challenging reflection. So maybe for all those that listen to this on their way to work, instead of just racing ahead to the next episode, just turn off the old stereo. It has a power button, I promise. And um, And just pause and just maybe drive the rest of the way thinking about Love, letting it impact the way that you treat the person who just cut you off in traffic. Mm, That kind of stuff. Relevance. Hashtag relevance. Well, I, for one, am not going to promise that your stereo has a power button, but you can at least turn the volume all the way down to zero. (laughs) Okay, okay. Good point. We get enough enough emails about the text. We don't need emails about how their car works. Yeah, that's right. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any questions, go to baymodiscipleship.com. You can get a hold of us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Slack, all sorts of ways to get in touch. So thanks for joining us on the Baymod Podcast. We will talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.